Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the NFL Draft Triple Take presented by UPMC. Mike Pursuta, Matt Williamson, and Dale Lawley with you yet again. We've done this a few times now uh, in advance of the NFL Draft, but we've got more to come. We're doing every position, not just once, but twice in preview form today. Our look at the edge rushers, and uh, what an intriguing place to look, uh, not just because of the importance of the position, but because of what is out there in terms of the prospects. Before we uh, dive in again, uh, I want to remind everyone that all these videos uh, will be shared on Steelers.com, the Steelers mobile app, and the Steelers official YouTube page. You can catch the audio on the Triple Take podcast and Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, you can subscribe to that Triple Take podcast wherever you download your favorite on-demand audio content. Matt, I wanted to start with you on the edge, guys, because uh, for me at least, uh, edge... Uh, presents something of a conundrum this year. A um, couple of the guys uh, that uh, are highly thought of, and one of them's Quiddy Pay from Michigan, and another one is Jason Owe from Penn State. I didn't have either one of those guys in my initial top five. Now, not that I didn't think either's a prospect, but uh, I found five guys I was more sure of. And uh, the second time around, I'm having a hard time getting past a lack of on-field production. I know that the testing's great. Uh, the athleticism, the explosiveness, all that stuff. I mean, Owe had zero sacks this year. Yeah. He blew Tarski. Quiddy Pay has one career pass defense and one career forced fumble in four years at Michigan. 11 and a half sacks, which is not an overwhelming number. And yet you have guys who I respect. You know, Charlie Casser, Casserly is one of them, uh, the former general manager. He said that uh, Quiddy Pay is, uh, quote, the most explosive guy off the football in this draft as far as pass rushers. And uh, Dane Brugler, who works for The Athletic, another guy who I think highly of in terms of his ability to uh, really present compelling arguments and assessments of these guys. Uh, he said that um, uh, Pay, excuse me, Oa, Oa is a high-risk, high-reward pass rusher in the Jason Pierre-Paul mode. So, uh, Matt, you're the old scout among us. Where do you draw the line between uh, this guy looks like Bruce Jenner, but uh, he doesn't play football like Bubba Smith? Yeah, I mean, it could be a uh, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane situation here with both these guys. They're, it's a conundrum. I mean, first of all, both of them are in contention to maybe even be the first edge guy off the board. And we've been a little spoiled with um, Chase Young, Miles Garrett, the Bosa's, the no-brainer guys at this position. Well, there isn't one this year, and the demand remains the same, which is great throughout the league. And you're right. Both these guys are amazing testers. I mean, rare, rare testers, rare movement skills, rare body types, rare explosion, and you see it on the field. The production isn't there. Um, it doesn't mean that they're invisible when you watch tape. They are disruptive, you know, lumping them both together. But there is an art to putting the quarterback on the on the ground, too. And they haven't mastered it, that's for sure. And you got to get uh, the ball out once in a while, too, right? I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you're a special athlete. You should be wreaking more havoc. And then you look at a guy like Daniil Hunter from the Vikings. He was very similar at LSU and is a great NFL player. A lot of it, I think, is how much do you trust your coaching staff, your position coach? What are you going to ask of them from day one? And you'll probably like the, the sound of this, but that Michigan coaching staff, they took pay and moved him all around. I mean, I, I, why not just leave him in a spot 
and let him master that first and then go from there. So maybe their new teams in the NFL will do that, play them 30, 35 snaps, passing downs, bring them along slow. But it's a little frightening. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, what happens, especially at some of those bigger schools where they're not the only guy there who can who can get after the quarterback. Sometimes you just get beaten to the quarterback. And, you know, maybe you would have gotten that sack. But you're right, Matt. There is an art to, uh, to, to getting the quarterback on the ground. That's uh, Just to jump ahead to, to, to one of my guys who's kind of my sleeper in this draft, a uh, guy named Chris Garrett out of Concordia St. Paul. Now, it's a Division II school, but in three seasons, he had 48 tackles for a loss, 36 and a half sacks, and, and forced 15 fumbles, which is a Division II record. That's and they the probably knew who he was. I mean, they probably were game planning around him. And they were probably, he was the only guy they had <laughs> right. to worry about, but he was still productive. That's the kind of production you want to see out of a guy like Oa, for example, who runs a 4'3", 940 at 257 pounds. I mean, he's a ridiculous athlete. Maybe somebody gets him into the NFL. Maybe he was misused in college and he becomes a great player. But to your point, Mike, there is some, you know, you don't know until you know. Yeah, and I guess the the you know I I still have I don't want to say I have my doubts about these guys, but they are not at the top of my list. They're not as high on my list as I think they are just about everybody else. Now I don't know what that, that probably says. I don't know as much as guys who evaluate talent for a living and, and actually make the draft picks. But I just I found that curious. And Matt, it lead it leads me to another question I've had uh, throughout this process. I don't think I've brought it up in in this uh, environment, but. All these pro days, this guy had a great pro day. That guy had a great pro day. Well, should they not? I mean, there's nobody out there trying to stop them from having a great pro day. The quarterbacks, they script the throws to do what the NFL wants them to do. As yeah. Mike Mayock used to say on the NFL Network, you know, fast guys run fast. Strong guys <laughs> lift a lot of weights. I mean, as this stuff maybe tilted a little bit uh, over the line in terms of how much importance we attach to it. Yeah, because when you study the, the pro days this year in particular, they're off the charts. I mean, everybody's doing better than the next guy. But, I mean, you're not fudging verticals and broads and things like that, too. I mean, so that's as valuable of information as it was in, in the combine days, back when we had a combine. I'm old enough to remember when we had combine. Um, but one of the things about the combine that people don't think about is – it's a very unnatural environment. You didn't sleep in your bed. You got up early. You got you were in the bod pod in the morning and dragged around like geese. You know, like it's very now the bod pod. Let me interrupt you. So that's where they're they're hitting your knee with a hammer and looking in your ear with a flashlight and <laughs> all that good stuff. Yeah, very yeah. uncomfortable situation. Yeah. You know, and then you're in interviews all night long and you barely sleep and you're nervous. Well, it's a lot easier to perform when you sleep in your bed. You call your buddy, the receiver up and that, you know, he's ready to run routes for you and you're in your home turf. And Oh, by the way, it might be a really fast track. And you, you I mean, let's face it too. A lot of these guys that we're talking about, or at least a, a good number of them opted out last year. So what have they been doing the last right. year training to, for their, for their pro days, because they know it's, it was going to be a big deal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, they're all valid points. And uh, some of these numbers uh, to match point are just, uh, well, it's been ridiculous. It's, it's not just the, 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 the numbers themselves, but how many guys are doing it. It's, yeah. uh, it's not, not the way it usually goes. I wonder if we'll see a regression next year and maybe, you know, some of these uh, huge verticals and broad jumps will be a little bit more exclusive. 
than we've seen to this point. But uh, Dale, anybody jump out at you uh, taking a second look back at the edge guys? Because I know yeah, two guys, there's, there's a lot of them up near the top. And, and as Matt said, nobody really jumps out, but appears to be a position of depth. There's two guys here that, that intrigued me a little bit. Uh, one was Matt's guy early on in the process. The other one was, was kind of mine that we talked about a lot on the drive. Uh, the first one was Chris Rumpf at a Duke. And he's a guy that was considered a little undersized. Uh, maybe he but was a really a, intelligent player, very intelligent guy, player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it looked like he would be in the two, 230 pound range. Uh, but he came into this pro day. Can't fudge this. He was 244 pounds. So it's 6'3", 244 pounds. He's, he's got more than enough size to play the edge. Uh, son of, a, of, of an NFL coach, so you know that he, he you know, has that, those bloodlines. And the production, 14 and a half sacks in 23 games in the last two seasons. So there's a lot to like there with him. Uh, with Patrick Johnson out, out of Tulane, a little shorter at 6'2", but 240 pounds. Uh, and you want to talk about production. Uh, over the last 34 games, 21 sacks. The guy can get to the quarterback and again, getting to the quarterback, but knowing him how to get, knowing how to get him on the ground is a big deal. It's a big deal. You, there are lots of guys who get close to getting the quarterback on the ground, but don't do it. This guy gets the quarterback on the ground. Matt, anybody jump out at you in round two here? I, I mentioned how your, your, your favorite Wolverines might not get the most out of some of their talent that they bring in. I'm starting to kind of get that feeling at Florida State as well. And they have two edge guys, Joshua Kando and Janaris Robinson. That they're not going to be in the first round, but there's a lot to work with with both of them. They're both six, five and a half, 260, good, you know, a good pedigree coming to Florida State, great pedigree coming to Florida State, tested really well. And they had, you know, three or four different defensive systems while they were there and never really quite lived up to it. But if you watch the highlights, which is a bad way to scout, trust me, you can see, understand why, hey, I'll take a shot on one of these two, and they may have better professional careers than they did at Florida State. You know why the highlights are a bad way to scout is because invariably the ball goes in the basket. They, right. They, they don't show a lot of highlights of missed shots. Boy, yeah. this quarterback's really accurate. Yeah. Watch this. The guy three hops a pass to a wide open guy in the end zone. No, you don't, you don't see that on the highlight shows. Uh, Matt just, tackled in the backfield. Before we get out of here, to your experience or, or in, in your philosophy, maybe at what round do you stop uh, drafting on hard and fast what you think you know? And when do you start taking shots? And the guys you just described said, eh, okay, this there's not much here, but there's a lot to work with. So let's let's throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. I think that's all that's a tough question to answer, to be honest with you. It depends what your team needs. Do you just need a third guy you can trust that's a good special teamer? That is Dale and I like to say is just a, a leadoff double, is a solid guy. Or are you you know, you you spinning that wheel trying to hit a home run on like an O-way, you know, or a pay that we can live with him, you know, taking a year or two. And in a way, the Steelers did that with Bud Dupree. I mean, he wasn't a finished product coming out of school. And, you know, the, this term project, people think is a bad thing until the project hits and you coach him up. And in year three, he's a dominant force. So I think it really depends on what you're after at that position and how stable your job is as an evaluator. That's and, a very you know, good point. To that's make, a big, but... that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. But... If, you're, if you're one year to year, if you're, you're, you're in a situation where, you know, it's year four and you haven't won yet. You're probably not going to take that shot at a guy like that. You're probably going to go for the double, but you know, if you feel pretty safe in your job or you're new to the job, you can, you can afford to take that chance. Yeah. Invariably, right. It's, 
the end justifies the means if, if the end is where you wanted to end up, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you took them around too early or, uh, oh, you traded too many picks to get that draft choice so you could get that guy. Well, not if it's a home run. Because right, right. a home run's a home run. Hindsight is twenty twenty always. Usually. That's going to do it for uh, this edition of Triple Take. Before we get out of here, uh, I want to remind everyone that uh, you can catch these videos on Steelers.com, the Steelers mobile app, and the Steelers official YouTube page. You can get the audio on the Triple Take podcast and also on Steelers Nation Radio. And if you want to subscribe to that Triple Take podcast, you can do that. Uh, you can download. The, you can do that wherever you download your favorite on-demand audio content. Thanks for finding us, however, and whenever you found us, we will be doing it again. There's uh, more to talk about, uh, even in uh, a further review context, as we continue preparing for the uh, first round of the NFL draft on April the 29th. Until uh, we catch you again, thanks for finding us. For Matt and Dale, I'm Mike. We'll see you again soon. This has been the NFL Triple Take. NFL Draft Triple Take, excuse me, presented by UPMC.